0: Welcome everyone. Um, I just wanted to introduce myself. I am Margaret Schoeninger, one of the co-directors of CARTA, along with Ajit Varki from the School of Medicine, and Rusty Gage, who is from the Salk Institute and was very sorry he could not be here today. I would also like to introduce our Associate Director, Pascal Gagneau, and also our Management Services Officer, uh, Linda Carlson. We all welcome you and are very pleased to see you here today for what we think will be a very exciting symposium. I just wanted to uh, explain a little bit about what we are and what we do. CARTA is the Center for Advanced Research and Training in Anthropogeny. And anthropogeny is a term used for the investigation into the origin of humans. And the person organizing the symposium today, Dr. James Moore, will be um, just talking very briefly about the origin of humans and some very exciting new um, discoveries today that have just been released today. Carta is has a particular mission and I just wanted you to tell you our mission statement that is that we use all rational and ethical approaches to seek all verifiable facts. From all relevant disciplines, and I think uh, you can see I'm from anthropology, Ajit is from the School of Medicine, uh, Rusty Gage is from Sauk. Uh we are from all across the map, we are from all relevant disciplines to explore and explain the origins of the human phenomenon. I want to give a special thanks to our major sponsors, uh, the G. Harold and Lila Y. Mathers Charitable Foundation, and especially to the director of that foundation, Mr. James Handelman. I'd also like to thank Annette Merle-Smith, who has helped with um, funding these symposia. And again, a special thanks to Pascal Gagneau and to Jamie Simon of the Salk Institute for these glorious posters that we have. We'd like to thank our MSO and uh, Linda Carlson and Amy Patterson, who is our administrative assistant, who did a great deal in putting this together today. So I will... um Turn this now over to Dr. James Moore, who is the organizer of this symposium on culture as a phenomenon across various animal species.
1: Well, welcome to this uh, symposium on human and non-human cultures. In a review of the the concept of culture in 1952, uh, Kroeber and Cluckham came up with 162 different definitions of culture. Uh, I imagine that in the last 50-plus years, we've probably come up with a few more rather than uh, reduce the number. Today, uh, I think we're going to use a fairly, well, we'll use a number of definitions, I'm sure, but fairly broad ones in order to illuminate the functions of this uh, nebulous concept and then in particular to see what sets us apart from, uh, our, our culture apart from, the behaviors that are apparently culture-like in non-humans. I want to set the scene for this with uh, a little episode in the study of uh, the evolution of of human uniqueness, and that has to do with uh, vervet monkey uh, alarm calls.
2: Apart from man, no other animal in the wild has been shown to use so many different word-like alarm calls. A call that means danger from the air. And the vervets run into the denser branches where the eagle won't pursue them for fear of damaging its wings. From the safety of the thorny branches, the vervets scream furiously. And one is even brave enough to launch a lightning attack. Monkeys are not the only ones to be fearful of the eagle. So are small birds, such as the superb starling. Vervets understand the starling's vocabulary. The bird shrieks a warning. Shh! Danger on the ground. And the monkeys repeat it using their own term. And everyone runs for it. So vervets, with such a wide vocabulary of alarm calls, show that sound can carry a great deal of vital information.
1: This wide variety, mind you, is three different alarm calls. And uh, for that, vervet monkeys made it into most of the textbooks. Uh, If you've had biological anthropology, anthropology, you've had something like this, where it talks about the language capacities of humans. And then, well, of course, it all starts with vervet monkeys. a few years after, this, the, the Vervet work was published in Science in 1980 and Animal Behavior in 1993, we had um, an avian uh, example. <laughs> Oddly, this paper has not made it into the textbooks. <laughs> and is not as widely known, uh, maybe because they only have two different uh, predator alarm calls rather than three. The message here is that if we're trying to understand the human phenomenon, it's a mistake to stop at our closest relatives, um, because if we do that, we miss out on behaviors that are at least functionally similar in other taxa that can help us by looking at that functional similarity, also then pay attention to the mechanism. Is the chicken alarm call learned in the same way that a vervet alarm call is learned? Is it shaped uh, in the same fashion? Uh, the ontogeny of the uh, uh, call during development, and also the phylogenetic history, which is of interest to us. So by uh, by looking across a wider variety of uh, species, I hope to to, um, encourage uh, the approach to looking at all four of these levels of explanation, these types of explanation, to better understand what is it that really makes ours uh, quite different. Now, uh, before introducing the speakers, I just wanted to mention, uh, for those of you who uh, haven't heard about it, or for those who have, yesterday the uh, special issue of Science Magazine with 11 different articles on the uh, Ardipithecus ramidus. This is work coming out of Tim White's lab. Uh, He's been carefully guarding the secret of what it's been that they've been finding for years. turns out a partial skeleton and a whole lot of other fossils of this uh, 4.4 million-year-old hominid. It's very exciting stuff. It looks like uh, the common ancestor of humans and chimpanzees uh, was not a knuckle walker, didn't look like a chimp. Uh, It was a biped. Uh, they're making the case and I take this opportunity to just point out the, the forest there, that's a, a, a modern forest that based on analysis of fauna, uh, fossil plants, uh, phytoliths, that's sort of the habitat it's thought that um, artipithecus uh, ramidus lived in uh, this is where I work in Tanzania so I'm a happy camper right now all right we're going to start off with an overview of uh, human cultural universals uh, by Donald Brown, uh, Rupert Stash, who's going to talk about cultural reflexivity, Susan Perry, looking at cultural traditions in capuchin monkeys. Tim Wright, who is not on the original schedule, but uh, we're very glad that he could make it, is going to address uh, parrot dialects, and that's a, a special privilege because Tim was a graduate student here, and uh, just a couple of years ago, I was on his committee. It's been more than a couple. Uh, we'll have a break then, and the refreshments are outside. Peter Tyack, talking about uh, vocal learning in parrots and dolphin. His major research is in dolphin, but he's going to address the comparison with parrots. Hal Whitehead, sperm whale cultures. Andrew Whiten, on children and chimpanzees. Uh, for those of you who have children or chimpanzees, there's often a lot of overlap there. And Jonathan Friedman uh, will be talking about culture as emergent order. And um, in order to cover this breadth and the time available, I'm afraid we're not going to have time for questions. Uh, you can probably buttonhole speakers during the break uh, or afterwards. And finally, uh, to reiterate, uh, appreciation for support from the uh, uh, Mayor of this Charitable Foundation and from Annette Merle-Smith.